Yes, we're open. Living Faith with Needham UCC, a sermon podcast from the Congregational Church of Needham United Church of Christ, where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you're invited and welcome. Our sermon for today, Sunday, May 16th, 2021, is entitled, In Praise of Ugly and Useless Creatures and Blessing of the Animals. It's a reflection on a reading from the wisdom literature of the Hebrew Bible, from the book of Job, chapter 39, verses 13 through 18. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to learn more about our open and affirming ministries at the Congregational Church of Needham, or would like to join us for worship some Sunday live via Zoom, simply head over to our website, www.needhamucc.org. Friends, our scripture reading today comes from the Hebrew Bible, from what's called the wisdom literature of the Hebrew Bible, from the book of Job, chapter 39, verses 13 through 18. At its heart, the book of Job is about faith seeking understanding and ultimately frustration and relationship. In the course of the book, faithful Job suffers mightily, losing his fortune and even his children. And in his suffering, Job cries out and challenges God's wisdom with his own, but why? Job seeks understanding of his situation. And God answers. God answers first by showing up. Our God is a God who is present with us always, in relationship with us always, even in our suffering and our confusion. And God answers secondly by pointing to examples in the natural world of all the things we human beings don't understand the stars in their courses, the weather, and, well, animals. Lots of animals. It's not so much an answer, but a reminder that there are more things in heaven and earth than are dreamt of in our philosophy. Though that quote, of course, comes from Shakespeare, not God. One of my favorite bits of evidence for our incomplete understanding of the world around us forms our reading for today. This passage from chapter 39, verses 13 through 18, about the odd, odd ostrich, which seemed to our ancestors in faith every bit as silly and awe-inspiring and frightening as it may seem still to us today. So let's listen together for a living word from God for us today in these words from Job chapter 13. The Lord says, The wings of the ostrich flap joyfully, though they cannot compare with the wings and feathers of the stork. The ostrich lays their eggs on the ground and lets them warm in the sand, unmindful that a foot may crush them that some wild animal may trample them. They treat their young harshly as if they were not theirs. They care not that their labor might be in vain. For God did not endow them with wisdom or give them a share of good sense. But when they spread their feathers to run, the ostrich laughs 
at the horse and rider. Friends, God is still speaking to the world. May our hearts be open to listen and to respond. Amen. Today's sermon is not what I would really call a sermon, but rather a briefer reflection that continues the work we've already begun today in blessing our pets and our other close animal companions. The point of this reflection, cheekily entitled, In Praise of Ugly and Useless Creatures, is to ask, what about the rest of them? I assume that in addition to the beloved pets we've already seen here this morning, with whom we share our homes and the domesticated animals and the farm animals we may have over for dinner, literally, we are all in favor of blessing charismatic megafauna. That is one of my very favorite words, charismatic megafauna which means those relatively large and well-studied flagship species that serve as the sort of poster animals for environmental protection. Your elephants, your gorillas, your pandas, your humpback whales. But what about everything else? What about all of those dull and ugly, short and squat, rude and nasty, slick and slitherous, foul and dangerous animals cataloged in our musical offering today, courtesy of British comedy legends Monty Python and our cantor Heather Salerno? What about the animals that we neither like nor understand? In the great Broadway musical Fiddler on the Roof about a Jewish community facing violent repression in Tsarist Russia, one of the villagers pointedly asks their rabbi, Rabbi, is there a proper blessing for the Tsar? In the context of our reflection today, we we, we may well ask, is there a proper blessing for the mosquito? After all, in addition to being supremely annoying, mosquitoes are, in fact, the deadliest animals on Earth to human beings. Mosquitoes are responsible for carrying the illnesses that kill over 700,000 people a year worldwide. By contrast, snakes kill 50,000, crocodiles only only 1,000, and sharks just 10. It's interesting to note here that while the mosquito tops the list of human killers, human beings ourselves are number two. Scientists assure us that of the nearly 4,000 different species of mosquitoes, only 100 or so transmit those deadly diseases. So those 100 mosquitoes, would anybody really miss them? Would anybody really miss them if we were to, say, eradicate them completely from the face of the earth? Would that be so bad? I mean, what was God thinking making the mosquito? What was God thinking when God created mosquitoes or allowed them to evolve within the grand scheme of things? What's the purpose of the mosquito? For that matter, what's the purpose of the naked mole rat or the rattlesnake or the ostrich? 
All these ugly and useless and sometimes even truly dangerous creatures, how do we bring ourselves to bless them if we can bless them at all? The first step toward answering that question, which I'm not going to answer, by the way, is to admit the limits of our own understanding. Just as God encourages Job to do in our scripture reading today, we do not know everything about everything, about how everything works and where each species fits and how they relate to one another in our world. We don't even know the half of the half of the half of it all. In fact, it wasn't until just today doing some research for this reflection that I learned that mosquitoes are in fact important pollinator species in many ecosystems. Did you know that? The bees with their tasty honey and the beautiful butterflies, they get all the publicity, but the mosquitoes work right alongside them. If we were to wipe out the mosquitoes, who knows how many species of plants would die out along with them? That's the other point I want to make today. Not only do we not know everything, but our perspective on the value of any species is determined by our limited understanding of how they affect us and our lives and our economies. By ugly and useless and dangerous creatures, of course, we mean creatures that are ugly and useless and dangerous to us. Everything else can just go hang. In pursuit of that ultimate utility to us, we'll even take a perfectly good, if unremarkable, creature like the scrawny and scrappy yardbird ancestors of our modern-day chickens. Take them and overbreed them until they're unrecognizable to their closest relatives, till they're nearly totally tasteless, and till they're utterly unsustainable outside of our factory farms just so they will make us money. At this point in my own reflections, reflecting on the animal kingdom around us, I couldn't help but remember the words of Jesus, who admittedly did not have a lot to say on the subject of biodiversity. But he did have this to say in the Gospel of Luke. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners though, love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But I say, love your enemies. Do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great. And you will be children of the Most High, for God is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, therefore, just as your heavenly parent is merciful. What great moral achievement is it for us to love these creatures who love us or who are beautiful to our eyes or useful to our lives? Rather, we are called to a greater love, a greater way, and a greater purpose. We are called to love even our enemies. To love them, mind you, not like them, 
Love them, not understand them. Love them, that is, treat them with the dignity they deserve as children of the same heavenly parent. We are called to do this with even the animals around us. No one is asking you to love those mosquitoes. If our religion was all about having to, excuse me, no one's asking you to like those mosquitoes. Our religion is not about liking other people. If Christianity was about liking everyone, I would have failed out long ago. Rather, it's about loving those creatures, respecting those creatures. You want to have a little bit of respect for a mosquito, try sleeping with one in the same room. And you'll understand the power of something even so small. We are called to love things that we do not understand and for which we have no use, just as we are called to love people we do not understand and for whom we have no use, simply because they are creatures of the same creator. We are called likewise to love all of these creatures that are ugly or useless or even dangerous to us. We are called to love them and appreciate them. That doesn't mean we have to sit around the campfire and sing Kumbaya with the Anopheles mosquito or the box jellyfish or with the coronavirus for that matter. But it's important that we respect them it does mean we should understand ourselves not at the top of a great pyramid of importance in the animal kingdom, the very pinnacle of creation, but rather understand that we are caught up in a great network of mutuality, one seamless garment of destiny, to borrow the words of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., as applicable for our relationships with other persons as they are for other creatures in the world around us. As we ponder this question, as we seek to find ways to praise even the ugly and useless creatures, we take this with us, this reminder that yes, we are a part of everything, but only a part. That the world was made for us, but not just for us. As author-anthropologist Wade Davis wrote, the world in which you were born is, not just, is just one model of reality. Let me say that again. The world in which you were born is just one model of reality. Other cultures are not failed attempts at being you. They are unique manifestations of the human spirit. In the same way, other creatures are not failed attempts at being human, and their value or beauty is not to be measured in their value to human beings or their beauty in our eyes, but rather in their own intrinsic value of, as creatures of our one creator. In other words, friends, it's up to us not to place a price tag on all the other creatures around us, but to learn to live in relationship with them. We do not have to understand them. We're called to appreciate them and to appreciate our place in relationship to them. In other words, bless them all and let God sort them out. And so friends, 
If in this blessing and in this reflection together, we have found something of God's holy word for us, God's gospel of peace, justice, and compassion, let us give thanks to our one God, creator, Christ, and Holy Spirit. Amen.